You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and a show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time student at uh, a high school for assassins and a full-time Nordic Viking known as the Headlopper. It smells like pie in here. And with me, as always, is my friend and person about to stroke out, Andrew Patterson. <laughs> uh, Does it? You did a really good job of not breaking stride there. I, th- I thought you were done because I forgot for a second there the next part yeah. where you introduced me. But it does smell like pie. I smell it. I don't know. Maybe it's this dish of cat food. Cat food? <laughs> I don't know. Or the cleaner that Elise uses? I don't know. It smells like a ne- like a nice like Thanksgiving, you know, like a pecan or like a rap- rhubarb apple or something. Anyway, whatever. I'm uh, wondering what that could be. Anyway, I was making reference lopper. to TCAF. Good stuff. Yeah. Overwhelming. I, I thought it was better this year, though. Somehow. I I, a couple people said that. They thought it was like easier to... I did not think that. <laughs> I thought it was crazier this year. So I will say of the three years that I have most recent in memory, because I can't remember anything before that. Maybe there was four, but I can only remember the last three years. Um, I thought three years ago was we had the most time. So it felt like we had the easiest time getting around two years ago was like next to impossible. We spent a lot of time with Nimit and like him and his crew from the raid shout out Nimit Malavia. Um, and then we kind of went around, but we kept running into people. So it took a really long time. I, I'm, I'm almost positive. We didn't see everything. And this year we did not see everything, but like we took it at a leisurely pace and I think it was like a, a seasoned trip. We hit the spots we wanted to hit. Like we, mm. but things had moved around a bit. Like, oh, for uh, sure. The people that we wanted, like Andrew McLean, for example. I was surprised that there was anyone we knew in that salon room at all because of how they limit it, right? You'd think they put like the known commodities in the general area. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes and no. I think they're, yeah. So, but. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, whatever. It was is. We were talking about Andrew McLean because yeah, last year he was in the back area. Yeah, he was in the area where this year we ran into Van, yeah, Vanessa, and uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's good. It's fun. It's still amazing. It's definitely a hidden gem on a global level, maybe even a local level. But I discovered a, after talking with a lot of people this year, uh, Andrew McLean included, actually, that. Um, I kind you know you you live in a city like Toronto and you're spoiled you know you maybe don't realize how how good you have it in terms of say uh things to do you know yeah. the music scene you get very used to to the point where it's like almost a joke in the city you know like people can somehow get bored in Toronto when we get more tours concerts art exhibits plays you know all that kind of stuff than like 98% of North America, you yeah, know, the yeah. exception of like a few other major American cities. But with something like TCAF, 
it's different than Fan Expo or a Comic-Con, but there are a lot of similarities. So I kind of just think of it as something that, uh, you know, like... I like it better than Fan Expo, to be honest. No, I do. I Sorry, I just meant like something like that. You yeah, know, yeah. It's, it kind of feels like it, it is essentially a giant artist alley, like yeah. creator, like independent creators. And, uh, and I love it. But I kind of think, I guess I just assume that there is at least one other event like that somewhere. But this year, not even just the artists alone, but the amount of people that I met who are from the States, specifically the States, from all across the States that traveled here for TCAF, and they were basically just like, no, there's nothing like this. Like TCAF is, is fantastic, you know? Yeah. Um, for all of the challenges and maybe gripes people have, it's something that I think is definitely to be treasured, you know, and appreciated. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, platform for independent artists comic creators, animators, uh, you know, zine publishers, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, it is a lot of fun too, but, um, do you have a highlight? Andrew McLean, (laughs) Wes Craig, those guys. That was cool. I mean, I, that was probably where we spent the most time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, they just seem like rad dudes. I, and I, and I love their work, but, uh, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just it's, it's cool. Just seeing like, um, like it really feels like there's something for everybody mm-hmm. in that sort of subculture. You know sure. what I mean? Like when we went to the the terrace where all the zines were, where it was kind of specifically zines as opposed to comics, it was like there's such a, you know, there's something to appeal to everybody from aspiring car mechanics to, you know, the LGBTQ community, the, you know, there's like fucking Every possible combination. That weird like sub- fold out zine. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. super niche stuff, but like wrestling. R- yeah. All kinds of stuff. It's, it's really something to behold, you know, like yeah. it feels kind of almost like there's a lot there. That is what I loved about Japan, for example. Like it just really like every niche is kind of serviced mm-hmm. in a way that's, uh, but it's all independent creators. So it's really it's really cool and it is very overwhelming, but, um, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of imagination, a lot of great ideas, a lot of, yeah, a lot of cool shit going on in there. And then of course, yeah, like we said, you know, there's the, the Michael Cho's, the, the Andrew McLean's, the raid studios, you know, yeah. Kayama press, lots of, lots of, uh, within, within that culture, we didn't high get profile. See, we didn't get to see the hotel, unfortunately. The no, Whatever was going on there. I kind of wish we had more time. Although my highlights are Wes Craig, uh, little sketch in the book that I bought. And um, funny enough. I like that Daryl bought the Norgal toy. Yeah. The figure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I should. Okay, I will. Matt Johnson's impression of Anthony Hopkins. Also. Oh, Oh, that was fun too. Amazing. That lunch was pretty fun. It, Talking about Blade so Runner funny. was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it was essentially just an extended version of our podcast over a meal. So yeah, pretty good. Starring. Uh, Speaking of a version of our podcast, oh yeah, starring uh, one half of Nirvana, Nirvana the band the show. The band. <laughs> um, speaking of our podcast, this week's episode is the hidden gem: I kill giants and the you gotta love it rampage. Where did the hidden gem recommendation come from um 
<sighs> Man, I don't. To be honest with you, I I feel horrible because we get recommendations, mm-hmm. and I I have compiled the list, and I should really just write down who they're from. But I just keep adding to the bottom of the list and mm-hmm. going. And then every once in a while, I'll review the list and be like, okay, what sort of fits so that there's some kind of theme? Obviously, this week's theme is giant monsters. Um, or that's what my plan was. Having not known what I killed giants was at mm-hmm. all, I just assumed it was about giants. Um, which it kind of is, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't remember. But yeah, I guess we can just get right into it. I killed giants. Um is a movie about a girl who lives in a small coastal town in New England, I think. Um, yeah, who believes it is her job to s- protect the town from giants, uh, of which she is very familiar with. Giant lore. Uh, there are harbingers who are maybe giant scouts for the giants who. Um, are kind of taunting her as she goes on and no one believes her. Obviously everyone thinks that she's crazy doing all these bizarre things and wearing these rabbit ears and uh, all this other stuff. But she is adamant that she is protecting the world from giants with her bag Kowalski. No, what, what was it? I don't remember. It's very close. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, and then a new kid moves to town and wants to be her friend, and she kind of, you know, through exposition uh, to this girl, or I guess whatever, explains what she's doing and how she's doing it, and then the movie kind of goes from there. Mm. I was waiting for a shoe to drop the entire time I was watching this movie, and I, I'm like, is this like a Pan's Labyrinth situation that we're in? Like, what the fuck's going on? And it's not really a twist. Would you say there's a twist in this movie? I think they wanted it to be a, a twist. And I think maybe it's based on a comic. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if I had read the comic, it would have potentially felt like more of a twist in the comic. Yeah. Uh, but I think part of that is, I'll say this, I agree with you. And I think that it's like the type of thing where if you were a kid, I think there's probably a niche kid audience like child audience that would see this movie and yeah. like the twist ob- like it wouldn't be obvious to them but right. because we've seen a lot of movies and movies like pan's labyrinth you're yeah. almost expecting it has that feeling and you're yeah. like okay it's definitely a ya version of pan's labyrinth this movie yeah and i think it is a twist in that when it's kind of revealed what is going on yeah that's maybe not exactly what i thought we, oh absolutely mm-hmm. not so uh, I will say, like Andrew said earlier, this is based on a comic book. And after I watched this movie, I thought to myself, like, oh, they probably... So, spoiler alert, by the way. Spoiler alert. We'll give you a second. Hashtag yeah. YGLI. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she uh, is not killing giants. This is a coping mechanism for stuff that is going on in her life, which is pretty... O- like, she, it's obviously she's having a tough life. They kind of lay it on pretty thick in the beginning mm-hmm. with, like, the brother being like, oh, you're such a fucking loser with your dice and, like, yeah. calling her a nerd. Meanwhile, he's, like, sitting at home playing Call of Duty. Like, yeah. I feel like that doesn't happen. There's a lot of crossover now. Like, Dungeons & Dragons isn't, like, some, like, you know, game for guys who have, like, tape around their glasses, like pocket protectors and stuff it's not really like that anymore so i think it's kind of bizarre that they like put it on so thick but anyway um the whole giant killing thing is a coping mechanism for her 
having to deal with some trauma in her life. But by the time the movie's over, I thought to myself like, oh, there's probably issues where like each issue or maybe each couple issues, she's hunting down a different giant because she describes all these giants. So I mm-hmm. imagine like, and at the end, she fights a titan in this movie. But I imagine in the comic, she goes from like, let's say hill giant to like mountain giant to mm-hmm. like whatever giant to fighting the titan. Mm-hmm. And like the entire thing, it takes place in a part real world, part fantasy world situation. And only after she's defeated the titan does it like really just kick into the real world. And they're, and they're just like, oh, your life's just fucked. You know, like there's no giants, your life's just fucked. And then if you were reading the comic in that way, like you were just invested in this fantasy, you know, like right. uh, just beyond the realm of reality thing. And then the they pull out the rug from under you. It's probably so much more powerful. Yeah. I, I, I know this is kind of, I mean, this is going to sound kind of insensitive, I think, because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the point of the movie. But something I kind of struggled with is I, I found the main character to be unlikable. Like, I don't know what it was about it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a situation where it was like, Oh, I feel she's, you know, she's a bit of an odd egg, but like you feel sympathy for her. If that makes sense. Yeah. She's not endearing as a character. Not, but like even, even I feel like there are movies with people who are acting out and who are, you know, maybe anti displaying antisocial behavior, um, who kind of isolate themselves or feel isolated and are maybe not the nicest people sometimes, but there's still a sympathy there, you know, like it, you feel kind of like it balances out. Like you're like, okay, well I feel bad for this person. So it kind of justifies their behavior a little bit. I didn't, uh, I didn't feel that way really in this movie. Right. And and I don't really blame anybody. Like I don't know that it was like the actress or the the screenplay, you know, the people that adapted it or the original writers or the director. Like I don't really blame it. I don't really know what it is, but I just like I actually found myself a lot of times just being like, Man, she's just kind of being like a little jerk. Like I don't Yeah, I feel like if she was nicer to her friend or the person who was trying to be her friend, but like just her same outward mean self to like everybody else, it would be different. Yeah. But she's, yeah, she's really not nice to anybody. And, there, and there's no, there's no like gradual, it's always very sudden, you know, like it's yeah. never like a gradual, like somebody is being, is intruding into her bubble and you can see her getting prodded and then she reacts in that way. It's almost always immediate. Like somebody says something to her and she's just kind of like, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. uh, Anyway, I kind of want to read this comic though. Like, I like the the style of it. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I I checked it out uh, after watching the movie as well. I one thing that I think is that I actually liked the despite what I just said about her not being the most likable to me. I really liked all of the reality parts. I thought those were like the strong parts of the movie. Yeah, like the it. You know, there's lots of movies about lots of stories about people dealing with trauma and dealing with you know like a hard life at home kids dealing with that kind of stuff but i felt like sort of the strongest performance the strongest writing or whatever was like imogen poots character like her old her sister yeah uh uh zoe saldana like the all of the parts where it was kind of like completely separate from the giant stuff it was just kind of like i was the most invested in those moments because it felt Mm -hmm. like they grounded it well yeah um and 
yeah, I was almost kind of like disinterested, kind weirdly in the giant parts. Once I realized early on in the movie what it was kind of going to be, I was yeah. like, okay, I just want to see what's going to happen in her real life. Yeah, like, yeah, I, you yeah. Know? Like, Absolutely. Let, get, get me to the point where I find out what yeah has caused her to retreat into this world. And I think that um, maybe it's a balance issue because Pan's Labyrinth kind of nailed it. But I think that's because Pan's Labyrinth makes it it blurs the line even more because there are fewer, it's not like a town, it's, there are fewer characters in it to, right. to make you question what's real and what isn't. So in Pan's Labyrinth, for, I would say, if I remember correctly, a lot of the movie, you feel like maybe these, are, it's like a Harry Potter type thing, you know, where maybe like the fawn and all of these things actually exist and they're just only revealing themselves to this girl versus it being a coping mechanism right you know i think part of it has to do with they it looks like they're pretty true to the comic like there there are um panels that i'm uh, you know i look at photos of and it looks like those panels just went straight into the movie mm-hmm. and maybe the pacing of the comic because obviously they have more time to tell the story in a comic book and the way that it's uh, jumps like you can visually jump around with a comic in a much more jarring manner than you can in a, in a film. Mm-hmm. And so I think that maybe this is one of those things that lends itself better to a comic book than a movie. As far as the giant parts are concerned, I, I will say though, when she pulls out the giant hammer at the end, you're like, Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's cool. I wanted more of that though. I, I, like, w- that, I, I like that they went full comic on that stuff they didn't yeah. dumb it down you know like it looked pretty the epic battle at the end i wanted it like it was immediately too friendly and i was like oh my god but it, clearly the demographic we're not the, the target demographic for this movie but it was an interesting movie and the whole again the whole like giants reveal where where she gets the idea for giants and mm-hmm. uh why she names her bag and hammer this thing and mm-hmm. all this stuff like feel like there's a way they could have played this out where you could have had a, a lot of real aha moments yeah i'd like to see like something that i finally got around to watching earlier this year that that really or i guess late last year whatever recently was the oa and oh the, yeah did you watch that i haven't seen it yet oh you haven't seen it no okay then i no tell me i doesn't matter so the oa the entire it's like eight episodes i think mm-hmm uh, right up to the very last moment yeah, is kind of continuously pulling the rug out from under you because uh, spoiler alert part two yeah, for anybody that hasn't seen the OA it's like it starts with a girl who's been missing uh, for years mm-hmm. uh, reappearing mysteriously and when she left uh, she was blind and when she comes back, she can see. And the first episode, it very much starts as one thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of gone girlish, you know, like you're like, oh, what the fuck? What happened? Where did she go? She's very odd. She does a lot of very odd things. And a lot of people, it's kind of chalked up to like PTSD. Mm-hmm. And then the what unfolds over the middle, like say six episodes is her meeting with people in this town, the small town that she's from, a small group of people and re- recounting her experience and telling them where she's been. Yeah. Um, and uh, every episode 
is like you think you know what's going on and then the next episode you're like oh no i didn't know what's going on Mm -hmm. and it and she tells them this you're you're very committed through the entire show to being like holy shit like you are completely invested in the story that she's told it's everything checks out it's completely believable yeah and then in the last episode this is the spoiler alert thing but it's so I, i can't not talk about it in the last episode um one of the characters goes to her house uh, and finds this box under her bed mm-hmm. and pulls it out and it's full of books. And every book is connected to something that she's told them. So it's like some Kaiser Soze shit. Yes. And you're like, oh, fuck. So she is just actually crazy. Like at the very beginning, like some people suspected that she had some sort of, you know, the trauma had affected her in like a very scarring way. Yeah. So the whole last episode is many of these characters come in, like half of them, like some of them are on the fence because it was so convincing, but most of them are just like, no, like it's fucking, it's bullshit. And mm-hmm. they kind of lose faith. But then it leads to the whole show leads to an event in a very like fate, fateful way. Yeah. Like everything that's happened so far is leading to this point. And it leaves you on a note where you're now questioning it's like 50 50 it could just be all in her head and this was a coincidence or it could be real and was leading to this point and you never find out and i have read that they are working on new seasons of the show yeah and nobody knows if it's going to continue where they left off because it leaves off in a very kind of fine like it could be the end like they don't need to right but anyway my point in saying all that is that that show did an amazing job of I guess I just like the idea of like, if you're going to have something that's like the edge of reality, sort of yeah, leaving it open to maybe be, you know, like maybe giants do exist kind of thing, you right. know, and it wasn't all just a coping mechanism, but like treating it in a, in a, in a, in a way such that it's subtle enough that it doesn't like hit you over the head. It's not like, Oh, okay. I get it. Maybe they're real. Like, you know, like just, yeah. I don't know what it would be in the case of this movie because mm-hmm. giants are huge, you know, like how could people not see them? But I, it's like... I mean, the only argument you can make for this movie is they talk about a giant thunderstorm that appeared seemingly hmm. out of nowhere that should never have happened in this sort of general right. vicinity and then immediately disappears when she defeats the giant. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, but things like that. Like, I guess that may be a little bit more heavy-handed. Yeah, but yeah, like and that, the, you know? yeah, yeah. That was a little too subtle and a little bit like kind of after everything was wrapping up all happy. I know I, I understand what you're saying. I definitely get it. Um, but yeah, something like the OA or Pan's Labyrinth does a really good job of balancing those things. So mm-hmm. even when they tell you, they're like, no, this isn't real. They leave the door open a little bit where you're like, uh, oh, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about another movie that has actual giants in it that uh, definitely beats you over the head with the fact that they are real because they savagely murder <laughs> thousands at least at least thousands of people uh that movie is rampage uh oof. so this is uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson's uh vehicle uh based on the video game by the same name uh, in which you are a monster, either a lizard, a gorilla, or some sort of primate, and a or a wolf, and you're going around destroying buildings and uh, destroying military vehicles, eating people. 
Yeah, before your health expires. That's the video game. And so the movie... Uh, 91% of Google users liked this film. I don't know what to say about this movie. It's about uh, The Rock, who we learn later in the movie was a former black ops yeah. operative slash... What do they call him? Primatologist? Yeah. He, he decides to change careers and become a primatologist? He, re- he retires because he, after, like, he's ex-military. He was, like, black ops, but then some of his work led him to basically be at odds with poachers. And he had a very, he had a life-changing experience whereupon he came upon a group of poachers that were butchering, uh, like, a family of gorillas. And he saved an albino gorilla? Yeah, saved a little one that was hiding, but by killing all of the people. And he was like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. You know, like, I don't want to be put in this position. So yeah. he... They shot hung, He's hung missed. up his... Yeah. I shot and didn't. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Very sinister. Uh, he is... Uh, he's comically large. He's well, so in real great. Life, I love mean. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. He's just so big. Oh yeah, he and is it's a monster. It's, of a human it's being. unbelievable, but uh, yeah, it yeah, I don't know. It was not good, but our viewing experience oh of my the movie God. definitely hampered what we thought of it. But you, oh, you mean that there aren't support? You're not when you're watching a movie in theaters, children literally running around up and down the aisles of the movie theater seats screaming for their mother screaming for their mother is at 10 30 at night watching a hyper violent film yeah and then there was a baby also like a smaller yeah. one that was just like it was crazy uh, look i i'm willing to allow that being i don't even know that they were they seem very young i don't know that i don't know if they were babysitting or what but like you know if you're a new mom whatever the situation you need is, to see a movie yeah you need you're to doing like, it wrong yeah well you know, you, no, you're just you're yeah, doing it wrong. There are nights for that at movie theaters. You yeah. know, uh, there was enough people in this theater. It's not like it was like a fucking matinee, uh, as Koji said, like a matinee on Monday, where you can go and expect the theater to probably not be that bumping. It was Friday night, you, look, at ten thirty p.m. I'll even give you if it is say noon or one or a show. Even like a 6 Jungle p.m. Book. show or something. I don't even care what movie it is. It could be a, a movie Secret that, Life of Pets. that kids are not supposed to be seeing. If it is a during-the-day film in which you, kids are expected to be awake and active and you bring your kid into this movie, I'm not going to be pleased, but I'm not going to like lose my mind. Like I, I, I saw The Dark Knight in theaters three times, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of those three times, there was a baby in a stroller crying. And you know what? I'm going to give that to the parents because like it's a cultural phenomenon. You want to see this movie. You have this kid. There's nothing you can do. Maybe you can't afford a baby. Whatever the situation is, fine. Because yeah. I saw it. It was like five or four. Right. You know, fine. This it, is 1030 on like a Friday night. Yeah. These kids should, should not be awake. Yeah. Let alone also, watching this movie. It's also questionable the volume and the imagery. You know, like even if they if a child was young enough, they didn't understand what's going on. Like it's like when you see people who bring babies to like concerts or music festivals, and sometimes yeah. they have the earmuffs on, and you're like, uh, okay. But I still, I don't know. It just feels weird to me. And I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't know. But I just feel like, well, this movie is just way violent. 
Yeah, right? a lot of people get eaten and brutally Severed murdered. Severed limbs. Yeah, like the movie opens with a giant mutant rat that slaughtered all of the astronauts on the International Space Station except for one, and she's trying to desperately get off the space station. And there's just like floating hands and like bl- like a guy's got his eye gouged out by a giant rat. You know, it's you'd think at that point they would have just immediately left with their children. Yeah, they didn't though. They really stuck it out yeah. and uh didn't give a fuck when the kid was running around. They didn't even try to stop the kid. No. At all. Like it was like it takes a lot for me to mobilize, you know, but and I still didn't, but I was that was the closest I'd probably ever been. I wanted to just walk down a couple aisles and just be like are you kidding me right now? Yeah. It's like, there's like 20, at least 20 people in this theater. It's not packed, but you know, just show some courtesy, you know, like either get your shit under control or fucking leave. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it was crazy. Anyway, back to the movie. You know what was weird about this movie? What? Before we talk about what we love, I feel like they were really building up those characters that were his sidekicks in the beginning to be characters. Yeah. And then they just weren't. They just weren't there at all. Yeah. Like his relationship with that girl, as fleeting as it was in the beginning, like she she wanted him, you know, and then like his buddy with the glasses, and then the like the guy that fucked everything up. Yeah, I was like, oh, so these are going to be the people that are on this adventure with him. Yeah, like I thought they were going to be comic relief for the rest of the movie. Not at all. They're in like the first twenty minutes, and then they're just gone. Also weird is that there were people in this movie like the uh, Negan or Negan, Negan, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeff. Yeah, that guy. Naomi Harris. Yeah. Like, what? It's always surprising to me. I, you know, like, good on you. Get them checks. The guy from The Office. You got to have fun, you know? But uh, it's weird that it's always jarring to me to see a movie this quality and yeah. be like, oh, fuck. Like, Naomi Harris was in Moonlight. Fucking killed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what an incredible impactful moving experience that movie was mm-hmm. her performance in it is incredible yeah and then she's in rampage <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like uh and i know i'm kind of cooling on this as i as i get older because i'm just kind of like yeah okay i mean it's not like she's selling out whatever you know mm-hmm. like so you get an opportunity to be in a fun action movie with the rock yeah, yeah why, based the, on a why video the hell game. why the hell not but it's just like still jarring when it happens and it makes it difficult for me to ever fully invest as invested as you could get in a movie like this i'm just like no <laughs> so i thought this was one of those movies i was going to go into and be like you know what it wasn't yeah whatever but like it's kind of fun and like what I, you know like mordecai is, is a perfect example of a movie that like you know, I just thought, there, how? What am I gonna do here? Yeah. I'm just gonna be grasping at straws, trying to find things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I came out of that experience pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. This movie, I thought, was horrible. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, it's not good. Like, but, but comically bad. Yeah. <clears throat> they they like introduce character traits to characters halfway through the movie, just so they can explain away certain things. Like also, they, you want to talk about exposition, oh. which you which you love to. That's like your first. That's like a deal breaker for you. Yeah. If a movie has or show has too much of that, yeah. This movie could not. I don't know if they could have squeezed more in there. Like they didn't. It was just like somebody would be something would happen, and somebody would be like, "Oh well, 
because this, 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 I also happen to do this, 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 and I know this, 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 yeah, this, and yeah. this because of this, this, and this. And you're just like, okay. There's so much, <laughs> everyone in this movie has such a colorful past because they have to be able to like be a scientist and fly a helicopter and like perform surgery or something. Like it's just like so crazy. What's going on and like the confluence of events that has to happen with the people with the very particular set of skills they must have for this movie to go on that it was just flabbergasting like look I know that we're not it's not rocket science we're talking about a movie with giant gorillas and lizards destroying a cityscape and like that's the basis for the movie. Hmm. But there's just like they try to cram too much other characters and like the turn with um the Negan's character where he's just like, I hate you. Oh, now we're best friends because you know, you're the only one that can save us. Like it was just so crazy. Anyway, what are some of the things that you liked? What I, one of the things I liked was the alligator going under the radar for the whole movie. Oh yeah. That's like, yeah. At the very beginning of the movie, there's three canisters of this chemical that has been developed to, uh, weaponized animals or something I guess would be the easiest way to describe it yes they plummet to earth uh, amid debris that burns up uh, on re-entry into the atmosphere but these canisters are made to survive that they land across the states one of them lands in this gorilla enclosure mm-hmm. um, where our sort of hero the gorilla whose name I forget the albino gorilla George George inhales it one of it, some of it lands in like Montana, I think, or something. Yes. Or Dakota or something. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. North Dakota. North Dakota, uh, where they're on like the plains where there's like a pack of wolves. And then and Florida. Then the, and then another one lands in the Everglades. And uh, you just see kind of in the water like an alligator that's disturbed by it, like bites the canisters of its prey and like does its rolling thing and disappears. Yeah. But then you don't see anything with the alligator for... The entire movie, it's all about them trying to fight. The wolf grows immediately, slaughters everything else in its path. Yeah. And it's just on like the war path. And George is like the most kind of the focal point of the movie because everybody loves him and he's a good guy, but he can't really control him, his rage and it starts fucking wigging out as he, he increases was in size. Only one in captivity when this started. So it was easier for them to lock him down than any of the others. Yeah. So shit starts going bad. And then at the climax of the movie where the villain characters is, was it Malin Ackerman? Is that who that was? The, the villain and yeah, the, yeah. And her brother. So it, it, the, she Evil is Corporation. the star of uh, or Final, one, Final Girls. One of the stars of uh, of uh, Final Girls, but also Watchmen. Yes, she was Silk Spectre. Uh, Billions. Oh, still haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah, she's she's on Billions, and the and the, her brother is uh, the new Jim from The Office. So once uh, Jim <laughs> leaves the office, and there's another guy that replaces him. That's that guy. So they run the corporation that devised this chemical and they're kind of trying to, you know, cut their losses, but also maintain their intellectual property so that they can keep being evil. Right. So they want to, they're, they don't have any samples left uh, of this mutating gene that they've created. And so the they, mutagen, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. The ooze, the secret of the ooze. I just combined the words that you just said and into so a word that sounded plausible. They wanted to get uh, a one of these animals dead so that they could extract DNA and get the, the 
sample back. Right. So they activate a beacon at the top of the fucking uh, Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, was it the Sears Tower? No, well, I don't know. Whatever. Can't remember. In Chicago, it's like yeah. the highest, the tallest building in the skyline. Um, anyway, they activate that, and so the 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 large animals, the the wolf and the gorilla, end up running into each other. But they are now kind of on the same side because they're enraged by this like dog whistle coming from Chicago. They make their way across the country, leaving a trail of destruction. Anyway, but then. Uh, at the very end, and then there is a, like a quick clip where it shows somewhere in like the swamps and the Everglades where there's like these like buoys in the water. You just see them kind of getting knocked out of the way after the beacon gets activated. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, in the climax, shit's going wrong. These fucking, the gorilla and the wolf are just laying waste the city, killing thousands of people. Everything's insane. Uh, they're on the radar. It's just like, oh, sir, we've got, uh, we've got like incoming and it shows like this blip you know, going in the canals of Chicago and the guy's just like, we don't have any, we don't have any submarines in the, in the vicinity. Yeah. And then it cuts to like the rock and Naomi Harris in this helicopter. And they're just, he's just kind of like one of those, Oh, you got to be shitting me moments. And this, the alligator's way bigger than the other two. Like it's like fucking huge. It's like five times the size of yeah. the other two. It's got like armor plating on its back and like, like hippo tusks coming at like, uh, because we also forgot to mention that not only do these animals grow at a rapid rate, they also just start developing other animal traits. Like the wolf has like flying well, squirrel wings and so porcupine quills and stuff. I was going to say, I didn't forget. That was my favorite part of the movie is that like they explain early on that this thing that they've created is they're gene splicing all their favorite parts of other animals and putting it together mm -hmm. and to create the super animal. And I had this board game called Evolution. Right. Where you can like get animal traits to create a, the apex predator or apex uh, herbivore, I guess, to defend yourself against predators mm. and collect food and whoever collects the most food wins. But like, I love the idea that they're like, okay, you know, uh, fl the flying squirrel thing. Okay. So, th you know, this guy's going to run really fast and be able to jump really high. So he'll be able to glide to the flying squirrel stuff. He has like porcupine quills that he can like shoot out of himself. Mm -hmm. My only complaint, I love that. Is I wanted to see more of that. Like the, the I feel gorilla like didn't have anything. The wolf got the best of it. They try and say the gorilla is like healing or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, the rest of them just don't get hurt, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the, I mean, I guess the alligator has tusks, but like, oh, it doesn't even look like an alligator anymore, really, yeah. though. Other than its kind of overall shape, it's got like fucking like it opens its mouth and it's got like a real tremors thing happening. Yeah, down like its throat. like a like, uh, shark tooth or something. Yeah, but uh, so that was a cool reveal, kind of. I guess like it comes out and just like flips one of the fairies in the canals immediately. Once again, like and bites an airplane out of the sky. Oh yeah, you know what's crazy is that. The other thing that I kind of noticed about this movie is that I feel like a lot of disaster movies don't show you people dying. They just, you see lots of buildings collapsing and, you know, people running, but they don't show, yeah, you know, the this movie showed up. quite a bit of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even if they were tiny on screen, you're just like, oh, fuck, man, these people are getting, like, fucked up. Like, what a horrible, <laughs> what a horrible way to be killed. Yeah. Um, so I like the alligator reveal, the hybrid shit was kind of cool uh i don't know man there wasn't really like a lot that i 
even enjoyed. Like I wasn't like, oh, you know, uh, well, the fight was pretty cool. That when the monsters started fighting each other, that was pretty sick. Yeah, that was like the the last uh, like the twenty minutes. Brain. Yeah, like the the you know the kaiju kind of bullshit where it's just right. like you're watching it and you're like, oh fuck, a gorilla's gonna fight the alligator and the wolf now. Yes, and it's like the it's like the it's basically starts and the rock off also with, with the, the grenade yeah, launcher <laughs> with like the rock. He's got like this giant gun and he cocks it and he's like, you're ready, buddy. Yeah. And then the gorilla just yells like, Rah! like pounds his <laughs> yeah. chest. You're like, oh yeah, here we go. This is what we wanted the whole movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, so who do you think gave the best performance in this movie? Who was, who was number one? Who was apex, uh, performer? George. Yeah. That was going to be mine. The monkey. He has all the funniest lines in the movie. Yeah. Even though he doesn't speak. The most emotion is yeah. animated into his face. It was basically yeah. like planet like that was some uh uh Andy whatever, yeah. Andy Circus shit. <laughs> Andy Circus shit, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. it was good. Like that part was good and it's yeah. it's and very it's clear like that put, CGI has gotten to another level. Yeah, but I also feel like they put the majority of the CGI budget into George because the wolf I thought was terrible. Yeah. But the, the it was like it, like it was like different studios did it, you know. Yeah. The design of the wolf was kind of goofy, even with all of those parts. Like it had that weird eyebrow ridge. Like yeah. its head looked kind of weird instead of just being like a an even gi more giant dire wolf or something, you know, right. with spikes on its back. It just looked kind of like cartoony, whereas like George just looked like a fucking giant scarred scary albino gorilla <laughs> well so i think part of that has to do with them trying to make it look like the rampage characters yeah like they're the, the video game characters so they were a little bit hampered by that but i agree i think but but like the wolf looked cartoony whereas the alligator even the alligator even though it was crazy looking yeah. just looked more like a good giant godzilla you know like a scary monster than like a cartoony one i was waiting for a character to one of them either the wolf the alligator or the gorilla to pick up one of the military guys eat them and then burp because <laughs> in the video game when you eat like i think it's the, the guys who throw grenades or i don't remember so somebody with some sort of explosive he eats them and then like he gets like a shock look on his face and then just burps yeah. and i was like i was waiting for that call back the entire time just never happened um but yeah i mean part yeah parts of it were just were just weirdly graphic though like in in a strange way just on yeah. the topic like when uh when george eats the villain oh yeah that was hilarious i was just like oh shit like that yeah. was fun. that's what she says too <laughs> but he like picks her up and like throws her in the air like a peanut yeah and then just but like the because he's not super big it's not like it's like uh somebody falling into a gaping maw like it's like you know, it barely fits and looks like it would just be horribly. Uh, it, it's it's just like gross. if a human being were to stuff a whole hot dog in their mouth or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was Ew. so. Fu it's such a bizarre Na way to kill a villain because, like, you, the entire time you, they're trying to paint George as like this good guy, and then they just like wanton destruction. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that this is a movie that you could probably watch clips of on YouTube. You know, like after the movie's out, they release like people put on YouTube like their favorite parts from the movie or something. Mm -hmm. You could just watch all those scenes and be like, yeah, cool. I mean, there's no need for you to watch this movie. There's a lot of really good giant animal or monster movies out there. You remember Lake Placid? Yeah. I'm not saying that's one of them. I just remembered that right now. I do remember <laughs> that movie. Uh, there's definitely lots that I would probably recommend before this one. 
perhaps. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, it's hard not to like The Rock. You know. Yeah. It just in general, it's hard to to besmirch The Rock, but uh, true. I do agree that this is not a movie that uh, needs to be seen. You know, like I guarantee you, it's going to get the most plays by people who have nothing else to watch when taking long flights. Like that's yeah. where this movie is going to get the most viewing. And they're just going to be sure. like, oh, it was the worst. Yeah. I watched Rampage. It was terrible on the plane. It was really bad. Yeah. yeah I yeah. watched Rampage. Where'd you see it? On a plane. Yeah. It was really bad. It's, it's the only place to see it, really. Um, yeah. I don't know what else we can say about this film. Just, uh, ooh, yeah, not not great. I I would say I'd rather see Mordecai again than watch this movie for sure. Almost without question. Yeah. Are you excited for the Meg? What is that? The the Megalodon movie starring Jason Statham that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to watch it. Yeah. It looks great. Well, we'll see. I mean, it doesn't look great, like really good. It looks great. Like it'll be a good, uh, you got to love it because there will probably be lots of stuff. But I'm loving it. I'm, I'm like... Uh, Bill Simmons, I was listening to his podcast a little while ago, and he was talking about people who have season tickets to certain... He's like, I have season tickets to The Rock. I don't even care what it is. I'm right. there. <laughs> like, I, even when I know it's going to be bad, it's like The Rock, so how bad could it be? Yeah. After seeing Crank and Crank 2, I'm like in on Statham movies, you know? Like in, like you you got season tickets. Yeah, I'm going to see them. Oh, yeah. Of like, course. Dude, I, I thought you Crank know and Crank 2 were going to be so bad. And Dude. like they're supposed to be kind of bad, but they're amazing. Yo, when it became clear that Fast and the Furious was going full franchise mode, yeah, and each one they introduced a new character from like a driving movie, yeah. Before they introduced them, I was like, "Where the fuck is Jason Statham? He's a perfect fit for this." Right. He was the transporter. That's like I, the first Jason. No, not the first. I saw him in Lockstock, but yeah. You know, that was like a, that was a big, that was a Jason Statham high point, the first Transporter movie when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Fucking incredible. Um, And sure enough, that like reveal with him at the end of the, like they kill the one bad guy, like the British guy or whatever. And I was just like, well, it's weird that they didn't use Jason Statham in this one. And then they have like the after credits scene Marvel style and it's Jason Statham. He's just like Dominic Toretto. Like I'm I'm coming for you. I was like, oh shit. Like I was so pumped. I was like, oh man, I'm in a hundred percent. The next one could be the worst fucking movie, but they finally put Jason Statham in a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. When are they going to do the Transformers crossover though that we all want? You know? know, I'm sure it's in the works. Somebody's coming up. Somebody's developing a treatment for it for sure. Did you see uh, uh, the Fast the Transformers? What the mechanic with Jason Statham and Ben Foster? I don't know. I don't oh, think so. Man, you should see that movie. Yeah, it's, it's about uh, like an assassin, the mechanic. Yeah, Jason Statham training Ben Foster to be the mechanic. Yeah. There's also the mechanic too, which I haven't seen yet, but the poster has him using suction cups on the bottom of a glass bottom swimming pool on like a luxury penthouse, super high skyscraper, planting like a bomb on it. Like that's the poster. I was like, oh, that's pretty absurd. Speaking of skyscraper, you, you, you ready for skyscraper? Yeah. Yeah. That's also funny. Yeah. There's like a rock movie as we're leaving the theater. There's like the giant cardboard cutout for skyscraper. Yeah, man. Whatever. I'm in. Like, yeah. The I think that 
even though this whole thing we started being like, oh, Andrew doesn't like movies that are so bad they're good. These feel like a different level to me. They're like a niche. Like, I think of like Troll 2 as so bad it's good. I think of this as like popcorn action so, thrillers but that are just like stupid, you know? I think in, in your case, it's like it comes down to production value, right? Some movies are just embarrassingly bad because they don't have the money and the acting is bad and all this stuff. Whereas some of these films, I mean, the acting may be bad or, or the premises may be bad or whatever, but like they've put time and money into these films. It's not like just a rush job that's just shit. It's just like, yeah. in some ways it's more tragic, but in other <laughs> ways you're just like, well, you know, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from because low budget bad movies, this is a different level. Yeah. Is it a, like, uh, although I do love that movie that we watched uh, with that guy. Neil Breen? Yeah. Fateful Findings? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just recently recommended that to somebody. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What was I, the context? I hope they check it out. Anyway, uh, recommendations for the week. My recommendation is... I guess it could. you could draw some parallels to I Kill Giants, maybe. But it's not really connected to anything we talked about. It's music, as usual. It's uh, There is a Canadian band called Braids. Um, not to be confused with the emo uh, emo band Braid Braid the beloved Braid Frankie Welfare Boy uh, Braids I think originally from Calgary or somewhere in Alberta and then relocated to Montreal and uh, I first found out about them uh, years ago I went to Soundscapes and uh, in one of their CD listening stations, I just there's this like sick album cover, and it was like their debut AP, EP or album, and I listened to it. And I was like, "This is fucking incredible!" It's called Native Speaker. I bought it like right then and there, and I've been following them since. But they just released a new two song EP. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting around to, called the uh, Collarbones. Slap. It's like a basically like the two songs, Collarbones and uh, Burdock and Dandelion, and it is fucking incredible. It is so good. I've listened to it like 40 times mm-hmm. in like a week. Um, they make like indie, I don't know, man. It's so it's so hard these days. It's like indie pop, but like with, uh, you know, there's electronic elements, like a lot of, um, a lot of electronic elements in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. It's very... Uh, it's got a very intimate feel. Uh, the the singer's songwriting is, yeah. has always been very, very intimate, very revealing, very like, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? She just talks about, you know, uh, anxieties, you know, self-confidence, body image, like all of these things like these in in a very, very uh, exposed way, which is the kind of thing where like, you know, you, you don't just like pop it on when you're going for a run kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like right. you really got to kind of, to me, sit down and really like engage with it. But um, she's got like an incredible voice. I don't know. I can't, I could honestly, I can't say enough good things about it. Um it's really, it's really good. And I think they'll probably be touring soon. I don't know if it's like preceding like a new album or if it's just like a two song EP they wanted to put out, but it's, it's very good. 
my recommendation, I guess, is along the same lines as I Kill Giants, uh, as it is told by the point of view of someone who is an irre- uh, unreliable narrator. Uh, and it is the TV show that is now, I think, finished season two, maybe not finished, I'm not sure, Legion. Mm. Uh, season two, I just started watching season two. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. I haven't watched season one yet. Like, it's so crazy. Everybody's telling me to watch it, but I just can't. I'm, my love of X-Men is too strong, and, and yeah. everybody's like, it doesn't matter, man. Just do it. You know what? Like, I think you'd be on board with this one, only because it, like... The show is kind of layered in a way that, like, there's an attention to detail to more than just the current episode or the next episode. You know what I mean? Which is mm-hmm. something that I feel most Marvel movies, uh, not most, excuse me, most uh, DC movies and the other X-Men movies haven't really done. I would even argue that uh, all of the non-MCU Marvel movies, like the Spider-Mans from a mm-hmm. previous time, Sony properties. You know, it's just kind of like, here, let's lay out this movie, and we're not building to anything. We're building to the end of this movie. You right. know, and I feel like some some TV shows, it, it would be very easy for them to be, to make like an X-Men property style TV show where it's kind of like Altered Carbon, if you watch Altered Carbon, where, I mean, there is an overarching story, but really it's about bu- building up hype for just the next episode as opposed to what's coming down the pipe. Right, and I think this show uh, really builds on ideas that don't pay off until way, way later. Okay, and so, and because it's told by the point of view from the point of view of somebody who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a very powerful mutant, but also insane. You you're not you're never really sure what's real. You know, in in a similar sense that when you're watching Westworld, you're like, "What are we in the present, or is this yeah. like, you know, what what's happening here?" You kind sure. of you you get that a little bit. And in the second season, it's even more jarring. It's almost like the opposite of an an, an explosion. You know, you're starting with all the pieces a million miles away, and as you're watching the episodes in season two, it it's like imploding slowly. You know, building up the the all the pieces are coming together to make the grenade or something. Cool. So, uh, I strongly suggest checking it out. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next week. So I'm going to be out of the country. Well, I mean next episode. Right. Uh, but we'll let you know when you listen to the next episode. I yeah. Anyway, thanks guys. Keep loving it. See the screen light my face in this darkened place Do you think it makes me look pretty When I soften all my lines away when I Make myself look as far away from real Rest pushed up, I'm trying to show you Rest pushed up, I'm trying to show you I have collarbones and cleavage you can rest in This pig's looking better than the real 
So when my clothes are off and we're together I probably won't look this way again And I wonder will you still want me then Will you still want me when you ooh, 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 catch the frowning of my brow and see how my breath moves around Push up, I'm trying to show you